The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For more information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org. This evening, we'd like to turn back to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, we've been going through the Gospel of John. And we concluded last time in John chapter 2, and Jesus was in Jerusalem. And there is an illusion that he is uh, making performing many miracles in the city. Uh, We are not told what those miracles are. They're not articulated there that he performed in Jerusalem as the other miracles that he performed are highlighted all throughout the Gospels. But obviously these miracles that he was performing in Jerusalem really made waves. They, They were very significant. They were very prominent because we'll find here in John chapter 3 that a very prominent ruler of the Jews, a Pharisee named Nicodemus, he comes to Jesus by night and he says, we've seen the things that you've been doing. We, we've seen the miracles that you've been performing. And we know that for you to be performing that, that you must be come from God. So the transition from John chapter 2 to John chapter 3, John chapter 2, he's performing these miracles here in Jerusalem And obviously, these miracles had become very prominent and very public to where not just Nicodemus, he says, we believe and we know that uh, you must be come from God to do these things. So he's saying that there's more people than just me that have took notice of these miracles that you can't just be a regular man and be doing these miracles. So here in John chapter 3... We'll try to go through verse 8 this evening. John chapter 3, we'll begin reading in verse 1. John chapter 3 and in verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these things, these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Now here's the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh, and whether it goeth. So is every one that is born of the spirit. So here, Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews, a very prominent ruler in Jerusalem, he comes to Jesus by night. And there's a lot that's been made about that over the years. And maybe Nicodemus was a little ashamed to ask Jesus this publicly. Uh, We see the progression of faith, if you will, the progression of boldness 
um, that Nicodemus displays in the Gospel of John. We'll highlight that very quickly. In John chapter 7, you have this example um, where men are, uh, are speaking negatively of Jesus Christ, and then Nicodemus kind of passively stands up for Jesus, but he's not really ready to fully stand up for him yet. Uh, but he does stand up for him a little bit there uh, in, uh, in John chapter 7. So first he starts out in John chapter 3 by coming at night. And then in John chapter 7, he's, he's standing up a little bit uh, to the Pharisees, but not willing to, to fully uh, sell all to possess the kingdom yet. And then, of course, uh, by the end of this, John chapter 19, when Jesus has given up the ghost and been taken off the cross, he <clears throat> goes, um, Nicodemus goes with Joseph of Arimathea and takes the body of Jesus Christ and anoints them with oil, anoints him with oil as he's being prepared for burial. So that's a great study. Uh, I, I know uh, if you haven't studied that, I would encourage you to look at the progression of Nicodemus uh, here, uh, not just beginning here in John chapter 3, but he took a little bit of time to grow in his discipleship, and then by the death of Jesus Christ, he's willing to publicly go and take the body of Christ and anoint it for the burial. So here he's coming by night. He's coming by night and he comes to Jesus and he says, Rabbi, we know. So it's not just him, right? Jesus, everywhere he, go, he went, he caused quite a stir. And uh, he caused a stir. This is the first time that he's going into Jerusalem uh, in his public ministry. And remember what he did in John chapter 2, right? He, he cleansed the temple, right? I mean, he caused quite a stir in doing that. But now he's performing these, these miracles and many people have taken notice. And it's not just Nicodemus. And he doesn't say who the we are. Um, it's implied all throughout the Gospels that there was more than just Nicodemus among the Pharisees who, who seemed to believe in Christ, but they were unwilling to fully commit because they, they were afraid and they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God, at least at that time, right? At least at that time, there came a time where Nicodemus, after the death of Jesus, that Nicodemus said, I, I covet and I desire the praise of God more than the praise of men. So more than just Nicodemus have been asking these questions, right? <clears throat> Nicodemus has been having these conversations with people, possibly other members of the Sanhedrin, possibly other Pharisees, but he's been having conversations and they've saw things that Jesus did in Jerusalem. Again, this is his first time in Jerusalem after the onset of his public ministry. And they saw Jesus doing things that they knew that there's no way that a mortal man could do in and of himself, right? So he goes, Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and he says, Rabbi, we know. I'm questioning this, but other people are questioning this too. We know that thou art a teacher come from God. And no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So they understood, both Nicodemus and the other people he had discussed this with, uh, I believe they all exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, that they saw something about Jesus. And just, just to, to see the wickedness of the unregenerate man's heart 
In contrast to Nicodemus here, there were some other members that were Pharisees that look what Jesus did, and, and they attribute it to Beelzebub, the prince of devils, right? Isn't that horrible? That men saw people being healed, right, of all these maladies and, and these, these illnesses and these sicknesses, and their response to that was to say, this man is of the devil. Well, that's not Nicodemus's response, right? Instead, him and others were able to acknowledge this man has come from God. Well, that's a fruit of the Spirit, right? Uh, I think that Nicodemus is exhibiting that prior to John chapter 3, he's already been born again. But he's seeking Jesus, and he's growing in his discipleship, and he's needing more knowledge and understanding. But he's not willing to come in, in broad broad daylight yet, right? He's coming at night and seeking Jesus. But, but I believe that just Nicodemus coming here is evidence that he has already been born again, that he, he is already exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit because he can, can see the things that Jesus was doing and he attributed that to God. And again, we've already talked about people who were of their father, the devil, that attributed the works of Jesus to the devil, okay? So, He's going and he's inquiring with Jesus. And I love how Jesus always, <laughs> Jesus always dictates the subject matter and the topic of conversation, right? You know, sometimes people are just having kind of chit-chat. I think about the Samaritan woman in uh, John chapter 4. We'll be getting to in a little bit, Lord willing, in a few weeks. And it, they're kind of having just kind of chit-chat here and there. And then all of a sudden, Jesus sets the topic, right? Jesus sets the tone. So Jesus is the one that introduces this topic of the new birth. So Jesus says, in response to, I believe, Nicodemus exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, he's seeking, and he, he attributes the actions that he's performing to God, and he's seeking more knowledge, which, would, which is what the gospel gives us anyway, right? It gives us knowledge to know what God has already done. So Jesus introduces the topic of the new birth, and he says to Nicodemus, who's seeking him, but seeking him at night, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus sets the topic, right? He sets the subject, and the subject that he wants to talk about is the new birth, is the new birth. And uh, Nicodemus is already exhibiting the fruit of the new birth by seeking Jesus. And Jesus wants to clarify that to him, that this action that you're engaging in is evidence that the wind of the Holy Spirit has already blown in your life. But the bigger lesson that he's really trying to teach, teach Nicodemus here, and obviously, as we know here in this, this context here in John chapter 3, it's where we find John 3, 16, right? The, the most well-known verse in all of Christianity, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, that's not an invitation for people to believe to gain eternal life. No, that is a evidentiary text that if you see someone that believes that means that the wind of the Holy Spirit has already blown in their life. And he is wanting Nicodemus to understand this. And we'll, we'll expound on that later in a, in a later message. But he's introducing the topic of the new birth because Nicodemus has a very uh, flawed misunderstanding about the, the extent of God's people and the extent of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? 
I mean, I, going going back to John three sixteen, there it says, "For God so loved the world, out of every nation, kindred, people, and tongue." And it would have been eye opening to Nicodemus for him to hear a Jew who he thought could have been God. Right? He he was he was questioning, wondering, "Is this really?" The Messiah, is this really the Son of God? And then he says that God loves a people outside of the Jews? <laughs> I mean, you're telling me that the fruit of the Spirit and the wind of the Holy Spirit has blown outside of just the Jews? And, and Jesus wanted Nicodemus to understand that. But as with so many different conversations that he had during his ministry, Jesus is spe speaking on a spiritual plane, and people are understanding it on a natural plane, right? And... Uh, it's understandable that Nicodemus didn't necessarily understand this right off because he's thinking on a natural plane. So what did Jesus tell him here? Verse three, <clears throat> verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And that's a very dynamic verse. And there, there's many applications to that. Uh, except a man be born again, be born from above, that's the alternate wording that the King James translators get, gave us. If you happen to have a center column Bible, that's my preference. I really like that. Uh, you have those, those uh, King James translators, alternate wording, except a man be born again, except a man be born from above. Well, that's, that's an important distinction, isn't it? Where are we born again from? Well, it's not by our own actions. It's not by any action that's undertaken here on earth. Uh, he goes on to say here in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Backing up to uh, John chapter 1 and in verse 12, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And we spent time rightly dividing that, manifesting publicly that they are the sons of God, not that they are initiating regeneration. So those that exhibit that evidence, right? Those that exhibit that wind of the Spirit in their life, which were born, right? But what were they born by? What, what, what means were they born by? Were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, remember that, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, right? You're not born again when you here on earth with a earthly mind and a finite mind, when you make a decision to follow Christ, that's not when you're born again. Now, there's deliverances and peace and salvation in the gospel, and praise God for that. But you are not born again by you making a decision here on earth to initiate the new birth. No, where are you born from? From above. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above. And certainly the new birth is the most good and perfect gift you could ever get, right? God changing your stony heart and giving you a heart of flesh and resurrecting your soul to now have a desire to love God and to serve God and to now feel a conviction of sin in a way that you didn't previously before and not just feel a conviction over sin, but the Spirit in, it encourages you to live soberly, righteously, and godly here in this present world. You're made a new creature. None of that comes from a decision that you make, right? It comes from above. <laughs> Every good gift and perfect gift comes down from above. And there's nothing more good and perfect than regeneration, right? There's nothing more good and perfect than God changing your soul and making you a new creature in a spiritual sense. So you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. 
Now, that's certainly true to go to heaven, right? There is no unrighteousness that's going to be in heaven. Uh, we, our, our, our souls have to be quickened to be fit for heaven, and our bodies are going to have to be glorified before they're fit for heaven. I mean, obviously, there's nobody in heaven that can be there without their soul being changed in the new birth. So it's true that we will never see the eternal kingdom of God without being born again, right? But this word see also means to experience, to perceive, to have to have an understanding of, to know and to understand. And it's also true that without the new birth, you will never see the spiritual kingdom of God. And there are many different aspects to the kingdom of God in scripture, right? There, there's the eternal kingdom, right? The eternal kingdom of heaven. But then there, there's a... a earnest of our inheritance, a little miniature of heaven that we get here on earth. And the, and the gospel of Matthew calls that the kingdom of heaven, right? And, and most of the discussion of, of the kingdom of God in the gospels is, is talking about you pressing into the church, pressing into the church kingdom, pressing into the kingdom of heaven, that little bit of taste of heaven that we can have this side of glory, but then also you have an aspect of the kingdom that, that resides inside of every child of God, right? In uh, Luke chapter uh, 17, I believe, it says that the kingdom of God is within you. It's not low here. It's not low there. The kingdom is within you. Well, why is the kingdom within you? Because the king is within you, right? Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, so there are a lot of dynamics to the kingdom of God in this world. You got eternal. You got the church kingdom. You got the kingdom in your in your conscience, you have uh, an aspect of the kingdom of God in your in your families and and fellowship with like-minded believers. So, whatever aspect of the kingdom of God you're talking about, it is true that you will never see any aspect of that kingdom without the new birth, right? Until you're given spiritual ears to hear, until you're given spiritual eyes to see, you can't see spiritual things, right? When you're just of the flesh, as it says in verse six, that was born of the flesh is flesh. If, if you only have fleshly eyes, you can only see fleshly things. But, but when God gives you the, the eyes of the Holy Spirit, now you can see spiritual things that you didn't see before. And whatever aspect of the kingdom of God we're talking about, you cannot see any of those aspects of the kingdom of God without God borning you again. You didn't choose to get born again. God sovereignly chose according to his own good, good will and pleasure, according to a time that is good and right in his sight, to come into your heart and invade your soul and not to ask you to accept him, but to sovereignly overpower your dead alien heart and to give you a new heart and, a new, and, and, and to born you again in the new birth, okay? Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, verse four, obviously, if I was talking, <laughs> it's so funny, we read these things in the uh, in the gospels and we see people interacting with Jesus and you're like, man, how can people be so dense, right? <laughs> I mean, you're talking to Jesus. Put on your spiritual hat. How could you be so dense? Well, if we were talking to, to, them, to, to the son of God, we would be just as dense as they are, right? So Nicodemus is literally thinking, well, I, I've already been born. I'm a, I'm a grown man. Let's just say he's 40 years old. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a 40-year-old man. I can't go back into my mother's womb and be born again. What are you talking about being born again? He says, how can a man be born when he's old? That doesn't make sense. 
can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Well, in natural sense, no, obviously, right? But he's not talking about a natural birth. He's talking about a spiritual birth. And then Jesus continues to clarify what's, what he's talking about. And I believe here in verse 5, he just restates the same thing that he really said in verse 3, just with a little bit more clarity, okay? So he says here in verse 5, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Okay, so verse 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And you're not going to see heaven without being born again. And you're not going to see the spiritual aspects of the kingdom without the spiritual senses to be able to see it uh, here in the church kingdom either. But now... Jesus gives a little bit more clarity, a little bit more clarity on what he's talking about, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. And there's a lot of different opinions on what that being born of the water means. To me, he's just saying the same thing he said before. Water is used many times in Scripture to describe the Spirit. And to me, he's just saying the same thing again. I know we can definitively say what he's not saying. We know that we're not born again uh, or regenerated by baptism, by the water of baptism, right? First Peter chapter 3 makes that very clear. Not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Now, baptism does save you. It saves you from the conviction of conscience, but going down to that water of baptism is not what borns you again. So what he's saying here is simply that a man is born of the Spirit, and the, and the Spirit many times in the Word of God is described as water. And we won't take the time to list all those out for you. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, it's true that you'll never in, enter into heaven without being born again, right? But I think the primary lesson here, and, and remember, remember who he's talking to. Every, every conversation that Jesus has is specific to the people he's talking to, right? Right? As our conversations are, <laughs> They are specific to the people we're talking to. And Nicodemus is, is approaching Christ, but he's approaching him at night. He's not as, yet as bold in his faith and discipleship as he should be. He's not yet willing to, uh, maybe he doesn't fully understand the treasure of the kingdom yet that's talked about in Matthew chapter 13 that's worth selling all you have to go and possess that treasure. Maybe he sees a little bit of it, but it's not until after Jesus' death there in John chapter 19 that he's willing to sell all that he has to possess that treasure. And what he's saying here is that, number one, you, you approaching me in this way is evidence you've already been born again. Okay, so he's not talking to Nicodemus and saying you need to get right with the Lord and accept Jesus and you're going to be born again. No, you're already showing the evidence that you're already born again. But with you individually, Nicodemus, you're coming to me at night. You need to be pressing into the kingdom. You need to be entering into the kingdom. And you've already met the first requirement, right? That God born you again. You didn't choose to get born again. God regenerated you. God born you the second time. But he's clarifying to Nicodemus, number one, you God had to change you before you can press into the kingdom, but also, Nicodemus, you need to be entering into the kingdom of God. You need to be pressing into the kingdom. And there's so much that could be said about that. Many, many sermons that could be preached about pressing into the kingdom. And 
and pressing into the kingdom with violence. Now, that doesn't mean that we, we hurt people and we punch people, but there needs to be a tenacity, a focus, a, a zeal that will not be quenched for pressing into the kingdom. That's what it, says, that's what it means when it says we, we, we press into the kingdom with violence. There's a tenacity and a focus, a, a first love, uh, unapologetic, will not be deterred focus of the kingdom, right? And that's the kind of zealous discipleship that we should be pressing into. We don't need to be uh, coming to Jesus at night, if you will, right? We need to live boldly. Salt and light and the city that's set on a hill cannot and should not be hid, and your light should certainly not be put under a bushel. So except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So understand, you don't choose to accept Christ and then get born again for the purpose of entering into the kingdom. If you, if you see anyone entering into the kingdom, that is evidence that God has already born them again. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's evidence that the wind of the Spirit has already blown, and now you're seeing the fruit of the Spirit by, by that action, the, the leaf moving, if you will. When you see someone believing, that's evidence that God has already born them again. <clears throat> so, verse 5. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That's pretty simple, right? You know, a lot of people say they can't understand the Bible. The Bible's fairly simple, okay? There's some parts you got to rightly divide. You got to pair scripture with scripture, precept upon precept, line upon line. But as a whole, the scriptures are pretty simple. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. If you've only received a first birth, if you will, right? If you've only been born uh, the first time in a natural sense by your mother, then this kingdom doesn't mean anything to you. And what's so unique about the kingdom of God, uh, it's not based on location. That's what Jesus said. It's not low here. It's not low there. It's within you. Someone can be in the correct GPS location, Right? Uh, I know many people that uh, went to church in their late in their younger years and didn't really care much for church. And based on their testimony, we don't necessarily know when any of us are born again. But based on their testimony, uh, it doesn't appear that they were born again at that younger age. They were in the right location, right? And there were people that were weeping around them, and there were there were people that were all up in the Holy Spirit. But you know what? It didn't mean anything to them. It didn't mean anything to them because at that time in their walk of discipleship, they had not been born again yet. There came a later time they were born again, and now it means everything to them, right? The kingdom is, is everything in my life. Seek you first the kingdom of God. But if you've only been born of the flesh, you can be in the right GPS location, but you will not feel the kingdom of God. I mean, if, if an unregenerate person sits in the middle of the most blessed worship service, the power, preaching and power and demonstration of the Spirit, effectual and fervent prayers, booming singing, I mean, those great happy times that we have in the kingdom of God. There could be an unregenerate person sitting right there, and it doesn't mean anything to them. Why? Because they haven't been born again. They've only been born of the flesh. And a birth, a birth imparts the attributes of the, the parent to the child at the new birth, at, at the birth, right? 
So at, at your fleshly birth, we know that back in the garden, Adam was made in the image of God, right? But he sinned. And then after he sinned, he was cursed, original sin. And then Adam had a son in his own likeness. Now, we're still made in the image of God. We're just a broken vessel instead of a perfect vessel. But Adam had a child after his own likeness, after his own nature, right? When you're born again, you take on the nature of the one who is your parent, who's your father. Well, now Cain and Abel and Seth are taking on not the nature of perfection of God, but now they're taking on the nature of sinful Adam. Well, it's evident that two parents can only give the nature that they have to that child, right? So therefore, after the fall of man, how can anyone receive the Spirit, right? If, if sinful people corrupted by original sin are having children born of the flesh, well, what do they produce? Flesh, right? How can anyone be born of the Spirit? We'll go back to verse 3. They have to be born from above. They have to be born of the sovereignty of God in the Holy Spirit coming down and changing their soul. So that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And if you have a spiritual birth, then you can understand spiritual things. If you've only had a fleshly birth and you haven't been born a second time from above, then there's things in the kingdom of God that you just can't understand. Even if you're in the right location, you could be in the, the most blessed spiritual meeting when children of God are just dining and feasting on the blessings of God in the kingdom. But if you haven't been born again, it doesn't mean anything to you, right? Because it's not your choice. Remember what we read back there in John chapter one? It's not your will. It's one of the most important things to understand about the new birth. It's not your will. It's not you choosing to accept Christ. It's not the will of the flesh. It's not the will of man. And not to mention, those are all things that happen on earth, right? Where are you born again from? From above. You're not born again from this earth by actions that, that are undertaken here on this earth. No, you were born by the sovereignty of God coming down from heaven into your soul. So that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth, <clears throat> excuse me, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whether it goeth, so is every one that is born of the spirit. So the word for wind here is the exact same word that's being used for spirit, pneuma, describing breath. But here, the Lord blessed, I believe, the King James translators to give, give clarification that has been a, a great blessing to us, readers of the uh, Bible, that not just the spirit bloweth where it listeth. That's, that's true, right? The spirit goes wherever it pleases, but the wind bloweth where it listeth, the wind of the Holy Spirit. And we know that when we see a branch moving, then we can reach a, a very confident conclusion, right, that there was wind that blew that branch, that, brew that, that blew that leaf, 
Well, we don't know the exact millisecond that that wind showed up and when it's left. Now, we can have a time frame, right, that I saw the leaf was still, I saw the leaf moving, now it's back still. That's evidence that the spirit, or, or that the wind blew during that time period, right? So we can't say necessarily definitively the exact second or the exact millisecond that that wind showed up, but we can look at a window and, and look at the evidence that we see happening and we can say, you know what, I, I believe the wind blew there. And, and that's exactly how the spirit moves, right? Uh, you, do, you do not initiate the new birth by a decision you make or a prayer that you pray or anything like that. But in your life, you should be able to see the effects of that in the sense of there, there used to be a time that I did, did not meditate on the Lord, that I didn't really care for the things of the Lord. Maybe I was even openly hostile to the things of God. But now I feel a conviction of sin that I've never had before, and I feel compelled to, to believe on Jesus Christ, and I feel compelled to follow him in discipleship. Well, that is evidence that God changed your heart, right? And I don't know the exact moment that I was born again. I know that there was a time that my convictions changed. I know that there was a time that my priorities got realigned. So I, I have kind of a window in my head of possibly when I was born again. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know some people's uh, conversion experience, if you will. There's a distinction between regeneration and conversion. But their, but their conversion experience is so powerful that they, they maybe have a, a stronger conviction about when they were born again. But for the most of us, for most of us, we're not going to know the exact moment that we were born again, just like we don't know the exact millisecond that that wind blew on that leaf. But we can look at the before and after and, and look at a time frame and say, you know what, it looks like there was a change during this time frame, right? And I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit gave us that clarity by giving us the picture of the wind, right? And as we well know, you can none of you can say... <laughs> wind come blow here today at this millisecond, right? No, the wind is at the, at the discretion of the sovereignty of God. And that's another reason why the Holy Spirit gave us this, this kind of an example, is we can't control when the wind blows. No, it's, it's according to the sovereignty and the will of God where the wind blows, and it's according to the sovereignty and the will of God of him to born people again as he sees fit according to his will in his own good and perfect will and his good and perfect timing. So the wind blows where it lists We see the, the, the effects of it. And you can't necessarily tell whence it cometh or whether it goeth. Now, now, if enough leaves are moving in one direction, you might be able to say this wind's blowing in the east. But a lot of times they're going back and forth, right? Uh, so you can't necessarily tell whence it cometh or whether it goeth. But you can see a time frame that there is a change. And you can reach a confident conclusion that during that time frame, the wind blew on that leaf. Well, when we see someone exhibiting belief in Jesus Christ, Whereas previously, they were a hater of Jesus Christ. Obviously, the most prominent example is Saul of Tarsus, right? He goes from being a, a Christ hater to not only a Christ lover and believer, but a Christ preacher, right? Within a couple days, he goes from going to cast these people in prison 
to now all of a sudden he's on the uh, street corner preaching that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Well, we can look at those to changes in that leaf, if you will, and see the powerful movement of the Holy Spirit. But uh, the window in which uh, we are born again, many times we cannot give an exact date. And, and, and I would encourage you, if anyone tells you that if you don't know the exact date that you were saved, then maybe you're not really saved, just ignore what they have to say, okay? I'm going to say that in all kindness, okay? Um, if someone tells you that if you don't know the exact moment that you were born again, then maybe you're a false professor and maybe you're not really saved, you just need to go read John 3, 8 and understand that the wind blows where it listeth. And we see the effects. And if, and if you have the effects that you believe in Jesus Christ and you love Christ and you love the brethren and you love spiritual things and you have a conviction of sin and you have a desire to live a good and a holy life. Those are all evidences that the wind has already blown. And I can't say an exact date that I was born again. And, and I've had conversations with people in the past that I was, I didn't give them an exact date. My, when they, they said, uh, are you saved? Do you know the Lord? I gave them the evidences of the wind blowing, right? I gave them all of these examples and they were very afraid that I was a false professor and I thought I was saved and I wasn't really saved because I did not give them on this date at this time I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart and that's when I was born again. No, no. I, I hope that you have believed in Jesus Christ and you felt the powerful. I hope that you have an exact date that you can say I joined the church, right? I hope you have an exact date that you can say that I believed in Jesus Christ. But if you have that date, then previous to that is when you were born again, not at that moment, okay? So don't let people try to, try to quench your assurance of salvation because you do not have a date that you accepted Jesus Christ or a date in which you were born again. No, we have confidence that we are among God's elect. Why? We love God because he first loved us. If I love God, that's an evidence that he loved me. I can have confidence in the fruit. And even if I don't have the exact date that I was, because I, I don't do that. I, I don't have an exact date that I was born again, but I can see a change of conviction. I can see a change of priorities. I can see burdens that were not there before. And it took me a while to, to act on those burdens. I, I, I felt those burdens very strongly when I was about 12 years old. And I didn't join the church until I was about 15. But I, I believe most likely I was born again kind of in that range and, and when I was about 12 years old because I felt convictions that I really didn't have those strong convictions before. And I had a desire to do things that I didn't have, but that's the fruit of the spirit. Okay. That's the fruit of the evidence of the wind of the Holy Spirit blowing. Now this last phrase in conclusion, this last phrase, the wind bloweth where it listeth, thou hear the sound thereof, canst not tell whence it cometh, or whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now, when we talk about all-inclusive terms in Scripture, just because something says all and every or world or whosoever, just because you see an all-inclusive term does not necessarily mean that that's talking about every single person on the face of the earth without exception. Okay? You got to rightly divide Scripture. You got to compare line upon line and precept upon precept. And... 
if, if there is a verse that qualifies the universal term, then you have to let Scripture qualify it, right? For example, uh, Scripture says that God has dealt to every man the measure of faith, right? Well, we find some people in uh, Thessalonians that do not have faith. Okay, well, if we have someone that doesn't have faith, then clearly God did not. You can't lose faith, right? You can't lose the integrity of faith in the new birth. You can't be unborn again. So if someone had faith, they're not going to lose it. So when it says that God dealt to every man the measure of faith, but yet there's some people sitting out here that don't have faith. Well, what does that mean? That means that that word every does not mean every single person without exception on the face of the earth, right? No. Who is the every man that received faith? Every person of the elect that is born again, right? So when you see the word every, all, whosoever, all these all-inclusive terms, you, you can't necessarily just look at this one verse and say, well, that means every person without exception, right? No, you got to study the rest of Scripture. And if the rest of Scripture qualifies that to some degree, then you compare Scripture upon Scripture, and your, your rightly dividing of Scripture will allow you to see, well, that word every doesn't mean every without exception. It means every child of God, so to say. So, every time you see every... <laughs> Um, that doesn't always mean every person without exception. But I can tell you there are no exceptions to this clause, okay? So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And if you study Scripture, you will find that there is no different ways of people being born again. And that's one of the most important foundational truths that we have to interpret Scripture through. Because there are so many people in Christianity that would say there's a different way of salvation for infants. There's a different way of salvation for the unevangelized. There's a different way of salvation for the mentally handicapped. There's a different way of salvation for all these different categories of people. There's a different way of the new birth. There's a different way of regeneration for all these different categories of people. Well, Scripture affirms that every single child of God is born again in the exact same way. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So whatever your theology, okay, whatever your theology says about regeneration, you cannot make exceptions that five different groups of people are born again in five different ways. Everyone that is born again of the Spirit is born again in the exact same way. So you can't have different clarifications. You can't have different, you can't have different methods of the new birth depending on different categories. Every single child of God is born again in the exact same way, which makes sense, right? Because God doesn't change. God doesn't change, right? He's not going to deal with one person differently in the new birth and another person differently. No, God is consistent, right? He's clearly going to born again every person the exact same way. So whatever your theology is, it has to fit that every single child of God is born again in the exact same way. And that includes Old Testament saints. 
That includes Gentiles in the Old Testament that didn't know about the law. It includes infants, mentally handicapped, the unevangelized, whatever category the other people would have a different method of salvation, the scriptures would not affirm that there's a different method of salvation. You are born again solely by the immediate work of the Holy Spirit on the heart of the dead alien sinner, right? Not by your works, not by you initiating that, but instead solely by the sovereignty of God and the will of God for him to born you again according to his own good will and pleasure at a time that he sees fit. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Great lessons here in John chapter 3 on the new birth and many more lessons to come throughout the rest of Jesus's discussions with Nicodemus. Praise God for the new birth, right? Praise God that Jesus has changed our souls to where we are fit for heaven. Our souls are fit. That's an amazing thought to think about, right? As our souls sit in our body right now at this moment, they are fit for heaven. And you want to know why they're fit for heaven? Because of the new birth, because of regeneration. Now, our bodies, boy, they're going to have to be glorified before they're let in there, before they're let in heaven. But our souls are fit for heaven right now because of the power of God in regeneration. And also, praise God when we see the fruit of that, right? Praise God when we see the fruit of the Holy Spirit exhibited in people around us that we can say, along with the Apostle Paul when he was talking about the Thessalonians, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Why? Because I saw labor of love and patience of hope. And I also saw, going back to the theme of the Gospel of John, which is belief, our, our gospel came unto you not in word only, but in power and in much assurance, right? They exhibited it by belief. And when he saw them believing on Jesus Christ, he says, I have confidence, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Why? Because he saw the wind of the Holy Spirit blowing in their heart, which is evidence that God had already changed them and called them out of darkness into his marvelous light. We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.